Okay, hi everyone. So we're on our fourth episode of Coffee and Theology. Again, we're doing a study on um, the systematic theology, or rather, Reformed Systematic Theology by Joel Beakey and Paul Smalley. Uh, so on this episode, uh, we're going to talk about the loci of systematic theology. But before that, uh, we'll do have uh, some recap of what we uh, discussed um, for episode 3, which para lang may refresher tayo. So, ito siya. Um, okay, so last episode, uh, we discussed the pre-modern development of systematic theology. So again, uh, we are answering questions or deeper answer on the development itself from the early church of the theology down to today. So very quickly, of course, any mga reasons why Christians began to work and develop a theology from scriptures. So there are two reasons uh, that were stated in the book. First, uh, God had granted the fullness of his revelation through Jesus Christ. So we can see that and we can read that from Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 2. And of course, the church desired to explore the meaning and implications of this treasure of truth. And then second one, or second reason rather, is that Satan attacked the church with false teaching. And we can read that from 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 to 3 and 1 John 2 18 to 23. And this controversy, or the controversy required God's people to define and defend the truth. So, from uh, the early church, we've seen uh, people who tried to systematize the, the theology that we have today. So, of course, and we recognize the works and effort, the lives of these men and these men uh, in developing what we know today. So, of course, they are all basing their systems from the Bible, from the scriptures. And so from uh, the very early church history, um, they have the Apostles' Creed, which though apostolic in doctrine, was not written directly by the apostles. And then based from that, Ganjan Sila Oregon, Lactantius, Cyril of Jerusalem, Rufinus of Aquilia, uh, Augustine of Hippo, John of Damascus, and then during the medieval period, uh, just to name a few, Peter Lombard, Aquinas, Bonaventure, and then reformers na during the 1500 to uh, 1600, uh, which uh, 16th century rather, Martin Luther, Philip Melanchthon, Ulrich Swingley, and uh, John Calvin. So, uh, so now, um. So sorry, and the message, but uh, please pardon me. But itong late 16th and early 17th century, there's William Perkins, Amadeus Polanus, CMS, um, Polyander, and then during the late 17th century, ayana, uh, Reformed Orthodox Systematic reached a high watermark in Turretin's Institute of Eclectic, Eclectic Theology. So I still have to read that. Uh, book or writing and then many other reform and puritan divines produce expositions of the heidelberg catechism 
or the Westminster Shorter Catechism that cover the full range of systematic theology and ethics. And of course, as we know and we um, experience today, so there are incursions into the Reformed churches. And these are, just to name a few, rationalism of the Enlightenment, emotionalism, emotionalism of Romanticism, and modernistic unbelief attack, which attack biblical foundations kung totoo ba talaga na namatay si Jesus or na nag-resurrect, yung mga ganun, mga questions about uh, the veracity and truthfulness of the Bible. So, laging may attack. And, you know, over the over the history of the church, um, nakita naman talaga natin yan. Umulit-ulit lang yan. So, there's nothing new in the sun. Ika nga sa Ecclesiastes, diba? Anyway. Moving to the, our episode number four, we will discuss more on... Uh, the loci of uh, systematic theology. Okay? Alright? So, if uh, you can bear with me uh, for just a bit. Um... So, there are different approaches that can be taken or different approaches can be taken to organize the topics of a systematic theology. So, dito sinasabi paano in-arrange yung thought. Um, and maraming, maraming, ano, maraming, of course, when you're organizing thought, uh, you come up with systems. And two of which are the Trinitarian model and the Redemptive Historical model. <clears throat> As we have seen, many early systematics arose from an extended meditation on the Apostles' Creed. Sabi sa book, the creed follows an essentially Trinitarian structure based on redemptive history. God the Father, the creation, God the Son, and the accomplishment of redemption, and God the Holy Spirit, and the application of redemption to the church, ending with its resurrection and eternal life. Sabi ni you of St. Victor, so around 1096, or year 1096 to 1141 and 1141. Um, he briefly described the whole of divinity in eight steps, founded upon the Bible first. The Trinity, then creation, the fall of man into sin, God's revelations before Moses, the law of Moses, the incarnation, the new covenant, and the resurrection. Bonaventure organized his breviloquium in a similar but more topical nature or structure. The Trinity, creation, sin, Christ's incarnation, the Spirit's grace, the sacraments of the church, and the final judgment. So kung papansinin natin, inarrange based on yung flow ng scriptures. Diba? So again, babalik tayo dun sa based on the redemptive history. So, from God the Father, God the Son, in creation, until dun sa resurrection, um, yung redemption of the church. So, tingnan mo ganun yung organization of of thoughts or systems. Nung, um, yan, si you of St. Victor. And then, of course, yung Apostles' Creed, ganun din. Ganun din siya naka-structure. 
And then in the early reform formulations, the Belgian Confession, 1561, uh, if you can recall the Belgian Confession, influenced by the French Conve- Confession, 1559, so two years uh, before that, followed the order of the doctrines concerning Scripture and God, man and sin, election and Christ, salvation by faith, the church and sacraments, civil government, and the last things. And then ito si Calvin, uh, which you are familiar with institutes of uh, Christian uh, doctrine, or tama ba? <laughs> um, anyway, that institutes follows a similar order, though placed under a Trinitarian framework in four books dealing with the Creator and creation. The Redeemer in Christ, grace through the Spirit and the Church. So, ganun niya sinet up. Si Andreas Hyperius, in the Methodus Theologiae, 1568, argued that the most important articles of the faith should be used as the loci or major topics to structure systematic theology. He proposed introducing theology with the doctrine of Holy Scripture followed by six loci, God, creatures and man, the law, oh sorry, the church, the law and gospel, sacraments, and the end of age. So parang may meron siyang contrasts. Uh, but ito yung proposal ni uh, Joel B. K. and Paul Smalley to sa book. We, uh, they propose a similar order of loci. And these are eight. Number one, prolegomena. This is the Greek for things spoken before. Preliminary questions about theology and doctrine of the word of God. Theology proper, the doctrine of God. So Greek, Greek ng God is of course theos, including God's decree. Providence, angels, and demons, and the demons. Anthropology, the doctrine of man, Greek, anthropos. His creation in God's image, the covenant with Adam, and man's fall into sin and misery. Christology, the doctrine of Christ's person and work, including the covenant of grace and Christ's offices, incarnation, humiliation, and exaltation in order to accomplish redemption. Number five, uh, pneumatology, the doctrine of the Spirit's um, person and work in and through redemptive history, including His empowerment of Christ and the Church of uh, Missions. Number six, soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Greek is soteria. The application of redemption by the Holy Spirit for the conversion, growth, and glorification of God's people. Number seven, ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, or Greek is ecclesia, and the means by which God applies grace to his people, such as the word and sacraments. Eschatology, the doctrine of last things, which uh, the Greek is eschatoi, uh, such as death and Christ's return to judge the world and bring the kingdom of God in all its glory, including heaven and hell. In a simpler language, these loci may be expressed in the words revelation, God, man, Christ, spirit, salvation, church, and last things. 
So these are this approach is widely used in the modern Protestant systematic theologies today. And the very list of the theological loci is a summary of the gospel. It reminds us that God has spoken and revealed himself as the only Lord God. God made man, but man rebelled against God to man's own defilement and destruction. God sent Christ to redeem sinners, save them by the grace of the Holy Spirit, form them into a unified body, and bring them to glory. Thus, systematic theology expounds the good news of salvation. However, this approach has its limitations, for we should recognize that all of these topics are closely related to one another. Due to the organic nature of divine revelation, a discussion of any one doctrine must periodically refer to other doctrines and all must redound to the glory of Christ. Yeah. So we'll go through the questions for meditation or discussion. Okay. Alright, so let's go through the questions for meditation or discussion. Um, and yung magiging guide natin will come from, of course, none other than the book. As uh, that is our main resource, which are we are using right now for this study as we go through the pages of uh, this book again. So, question for meditation or discussion. Uh, question number one: What definition was given for a theology based on? Uh, Ames and enhanced by Van Maastricht. So, ang answer ko dito, well, ang answer is, William Ames wrote, Theology is the doctrine of living to God. Living unto the Lord is the great result of Christ's saving work. As the Apostle Paul delighted to declare, Ames explained the phrase, Men live to God when they live in accord with the will of God, to the glory of God, and with God working in them. And this is, num- this is the one expanded by Petrus van Maastricht, as noted by Jonathan Edwards, the doctrine of living to God by Christ. So, idinagdag niya yun. This is indeed an excellent definition of theology, for it emphasizes the de- divine revelation of theology or doctrine, its object, God, its me- mediatorial character by Christ, and its aim, living to God. So, yan yung answer for number one. Second question, is theology best considered a science or wisdom? Why? As an academic field, theology is called a science because it is the disciplined pursuit and communication of knowledge by a community of scholars. It is best to consider theology to involve both science and wisdom with its heaviest accent on wisdom. As a science, it seeks the true knowledge by interpreting God's revelation and making logical inferences from it. Thomas Aquinas said, Sacred doctrine is a science. Sacred science is established on principles revealed by God. In summary, theology is the divine knowledge and wisdom by which we serve God. We return to Ames' definition, William Ames. Theology is the doctrine or teaching of living to God. It is called doctrine not to separate it from understanding, knowledge, wisdom, art, or prudence. For this go with very or every exact discipline 
and most of all with theology. But to mark it as a discipline which derives not from nature and hum- human inquiry like others, but from divine revelation and appointment. So, yung pagkakaiba niya dun sa science definition natin na parang <coughs> inoobserve, repeatable, ganun. Yung science nito is discipline. Okay? Okay, number three, why must theology be both theoretical and practical? So, the answer is, theology is both theoretical and practical. Though its focus is upon knowing God and its works, and thus is more theoretical, if theology, if theology is merely theoretical, then it would be cut off from daily life. On the other hand, if theology were merely practical, then we would throw away more abstract but crucial doctrines such as Trinity and predestination. So, yung points natin. Tingnan natin. Theology is a kind of knowledge that demands action. Knowing God moves us to glorify Him. Knowing God also moves us to imitate Him. So, neither can that knowledge of God be true unless attended by practice. So, hindi tamang head knowledge lang, hindi lang pang intelektual lang. So, kailangan pag-aaral mo ng theology, nagtatranslate siya into practice, which is really hard, you know. And as I try to imbibe or aspire to this principle where to really know is to, to be able to practice. So, yun yung, yung parang tinatry na i-imbibe. Kasi when we, have, we, are, is, we are this called disciples, diba? a discipline. So, ano yung discipline ng Christianity which Jesus Christ perfectly did? So, yun yung tinatry natin i-adopt of course, by the Spirit, by God's power through us. Kasi di, by our own selves, di natin kayang gawin yun. Di natin kayang sundin yun. So anyway, going back, Van Maastricht said that Christian theology is not theoretical only, nor practical only. But it unites theory with practice and is a knowledge of truth which is according to godliness. Titus 1.1 Ano sabi sa Titus 1.1? Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. So may practice. And I think the best answer is the orientation of theology is both theoretical and practical because theology orients us toward God. As the saying of Aquinas declares, theology is taught by God, teaches of God, and leads to God. Question number four, what was the earliest crystallization of the church basic theology? The core of systematic theology crystallized very early in the church history in the rule of faith, regula fide, as we mentioned last episode, which is summarized in the 12 articles of faith that have come down to us as the Apostles' Creed, which, though apostolic in doctrine, was not written directly by the apostles. So I mentioned it earlier. Or again, Lactatius, Cyril of Jerusalem, and so on and so forth. What was the basic textbook of late medieval theology? So question number five. What other notable theological work of that period did the authors mention? So the answer, it is the sentences. And it became the standard textbook for later theological students and other theologians who wrote commentaries about it. What are the two most influential early Reformed theological books? And sabi sa book, 
sabi sa book na susunod natin it is of uh, John Calvin's Institute of the Christian Religion and then yung sinulat ni Heinrich Bullinger decades question number 7 what are the technical names and their meanings for the eight loci of modern systematic theology which we just mentioned a while ago daanan ko na lang prolegomena, theology proper, anthropology, Christology, pneumatology, soteriology, ecclesiology, and eschatology. <coughs> Excuse me. Clear naman, no? So far? So, kung hindi clear, kindly go back. Uh, siguro a few minutes, or maybe about 10 minutes or 5 minutes um, earlier, then you'll and you'll uh, see yung, or you'll hear the the meanings of uh, each locus. And eight yun. Alright, question number eight. Which locus of theology do you find most interesting personally? How could a deeper knowledge of that locus help you grow spiritually? How might it help you to serve your church? So, I had the tough time um, picking one locus of theology simply because they are so interrelated and they are integral to our knowledge and as we grow and grow deeper as we mature in our faith but to answer answer this it's hard to pick one but for the sake of an answer I'd probably pick Christology because a deeper understanding of Christ's person and work would help or should help me and compel me to be more Christ-like, diba? How I can apply His truth in my daily life until He calls me home. Yun yung mahirap eh. So, I think yun yung... Kasi, honestly, eschatology, of course, how we view um, the last things, ecclesiology in church, important lahat yan eh. But I guess I would rather, you know, nail... Um, Christology and Satoriology. Of course, yung God, yan, yung high view of God, yung, yung theology proper, but in terms of, you know, living my daily life and how Jesus Christ um, became the perfect example of what should, you know, how we live our lives, yun siguro kailangan manil uh, because He really exemplified what a Christian, of course, a Christian should be like. So, yeah. Question number nine. What will happen to systematic theology if we divorce its academic and spiritual dimensions? How will that affect the church? How have you seen this in your experience or church? I'd like to cite Owen here. He favored the idea that theology is spiritual wisdom. For it has the unique property of making men wise in the mysteries of the gospel by virtue of union with Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. But Owen acknowledged that though theology differs from the academic sciences in that it receives divine revelation by divine grace, theology includes the science or knowledge of God resulting from the illumination of the mind. So, hindi mo siya separate. And then, this goes back to the definition of theology. is the divine knowledge and wisdom by which we serve God. As Ames 
William Ames definition, theology is the doctrine or teaching living to God. As he further explained, it is called doctrine not to separate it from understanding, knowledge, wisdom, art, or prudence. For this go with every exact discipline in every aspect of our lives. And most of all, with theology, but to mark it as a discipline which derives not from nature and human inquiry, like others, hindi siya parang inobserve mo lang yung langit pagka dumilim o ulan. Hindi. But this is from divine revelation and appointment. May mga bagay talaga na kahit anong talino mo, observe mo. Kung hindi yan pinagkaloob ng Diyos sa'yo, di mo yan maintindihan. Hindi talaga. Okay, in the, in, in the contemporary evangelical church, too many Christians think that we must choose between dead orthodoxy and anti-intellectual activism or moralism. Ano ba yung dead orthodoxy? So, ni-research ko pa yan sa Google. Yung dead orthodoxy, tama yung doctrine mo, sablay yung practice. Medyo harsh ka. And I guess, I guess may mga points in our lives and I've seen this to some people na kumaka-doctrine ka alam mong malupet. <laughs> so yun yung dead orthodoxy. So okay naman yung theology pero harsh or harsh in a wrong way, I would say. And then yung iba naman, ayaw ng theology. Anti-intellectual naman sila. Puro good works lang. So tawag doon, is moralism pero medyo legalistic yan uy bawal ganito bawal ganyan pero kasi mali mali wala ayaw nila mag-isip puro feels yan and uh, as a result Christians zealously pursue holiness evangelism social and political causes yung mga pawok yan sa terminology and millennials today and missions and yet are disengaged from or suspicious of intellectual reflection so I can personally can uh, cite some pers- I can cite sa- some experiences here where I try to engage some of my former churchmates from my former church um, and I explain to them ano ba yung mga doctrines of grace ano yung um, Calvinism yung tulip what does it, it stands for ano yung pinakaiba niya sa Arminianism and um, yung cessationism nga mga ganun um, wala siyang idea parang ako nagulat ako kasi grabe mag 10 years na kaming so-called Christians or at least we we profess to be one di ba before um, wala siyang notion na ganun ano yun sabi niya hindi, niya hindi siya familiar so it's not like you're brandishing certain labels but as we grow deeper in our study in our faith it is but important eh. Essential siya sa growth eh. Kasi how can you love something? How can you love God without knowing Him? Or His Word? Bible, Bible lang. Ganon. Tapos, interpretation mo, hindi ng Holy Spirit. ba? So, ano lalabas doon? ACGCs, puro errors. Uh, and then, wala talaga. Hindi, hindi makikita yung gospel sa life niya. Kung meron man, legalism. So, yun yung yun yung downside nun. Very, ayaw nila ng deep theological discussions, more of um, social work, ganyan, missions, na umiikot. And this was observed by David Clark. So again, ano to? 
um, lumang teologya na to. And pare-pareho lang na nangyayari, di ba? Ano na nga yan? 2020. Um, yung mga na-observe ko, 2013, 2012, 2014, yan. When I started to be exposed more and more into the Reformed faith, nakita ko yung difference. And, di ba? When you look at that, pare-pareho lang yung lumalabas. Kasi yung, yung generation, same lang naman na sinful eh. So, what, they, what we all need is the gospel. So, until... The Holy Spirit illuminates us to the to the gospel, regenerates us to have a new life in Christ. Ano yun eh? Ulit-ulit lang. Kasi you're born a sinner. Okay, go continuing. Um, sabi ni Clark, the upshot is that evangelical theology is alienated not only from the um, academically oriented university, but also from a pragmatically oriented church. So, ang comment ko lang dito, super true. Yung super uh, evangelical na na theology alienated not only from the academically oriented university. Let's say, um, yung church mo is more on intellectual. Puro head knowledge, puro, his, puro ganun lang. Wala masyadong practical application. Na-alienate yung, yan, tawag doon is dead orthodoxy. Pagdating naman sa pragmatically oriented church, ano lang yun, observe. Pragmatic kasi parang observe. Empirical. So, medyo secular yun dating. And he said, if we sever theological contemplation from practical action, then we destroy the church ability to develop the breadth and depth of wisdom necessary to glorify God in all of its life and work. Bigat. We destroy the church ability to develop the breadth and depth of wisdom necessary to glorify God in all of its life and work. So that's why a life, a Christian life and walk in Christ is a lifelong pursuit to holiness, to godliness, to understanding His word, what it means to be a Christian. Because what we all want to do is to glorify Him in all in all of its respect yung life its life and work so anything that goes against that direction is sin so that we must be really really careful kaya yung puritans I, I know it makes sense to me now that puritans try to live their life as pure as possible because when you kind of see yung bigat, the weight of how God should be glorified, it changes things. Eh? It changes the way you look at things, the way you view problems, the way you view money, the way you view relationships, the way you view your life, your dreams, your hopes, your sufferings, disappointments, frustrations, ills, um, everything. Ano siya eh? Under siya ng... So, under siya ng hold ng gospel. Under siya ng hold ng Christ. Yung captive na siya. Cannot escape it. And then, we must know God in a manner that engages our heads, hearts, and hands. As Jeremiah 9, 23-24 says, 
Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his rich riches, but let him that glory at glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things, so and so forth. <coughs> wow. And then last question of the definitions of theology from Ames, Van Maastricht, Polyander, and Wolebius in the first part of this chapter, which what we discussed from the last two episodes. Uh, which do you think is best and why? I would have to go with Ames, William Ames' definition. Um, yung definition niya is... Uh, <clears throat> The divine knowledge and wisdom by which we serve God. Theology is the doctrine or teaching of living to God. It is called doctrine not to separate it from understanding, knowledge, wisdom, art, or prudence. For this go with every exact discipline. Ang simple niya pero profound. Kaya ako nagustuhan niya. So of course, kanya-kanya tayo kung mas-trip mo yung in-expand or yung kay Polyander or kay Wolebius wala namang kaso doon I think it all just goes to how it um, how you know the study of God is presented but ultimately it's you know it the theologies should you know lead us to to God to glorify Him more to understand and love Him more and it should be reflected in how we do our life diba? so guys um that concludes our episode number four and uh, thank you very much i hope to um, see you guys again soon bye